This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. So this morning, uh, I'm going to talk to you about something that if you've been here for a few years, it's not going to be a new topic to you. I do believe that the Lord's given me a few things that are fresh. But I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk to you about the church. I love the church. I love the local church. Can I get an amen? I, I, I love it, man. I, I love it. I've, I've, I've grown up in it. Some of you are like, well, I've seen some bad stuff. So have I. I'm a pastor's kid. I've probably seen worse. I've seen some really bad stuff growing up. I mean, I've seen the dirty sides of church, and I've seen the happy sides of church. I've seen the back side of ministries and the front side of ministries, and I've seen it all, and I've come to one conclusion. I'm not here to worship a man anyways. I'm here for Jesus. So it doesn't bother me. But I have seen stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I've seen churches built around men, and I've seen men fall and churches fall. I've, I've seen all different things. And one of the things, though, I have a passion for is to raise up, to cultivate, to to see an apostolic church. What's an apostolic church? It's simple. Everybody's a leader. It may be in your realm. doesn't mean everybody preaches. Everybody is a leader. The five-year-old, the six-year-old on the front row, the, the 85-year-old behind you, they're a leader. And I'm going to give you a lot of scripture that proves it because the Bible says that basically everybody that's a believer is called to do the work of the ministry. And we've actually twisted it around where we have put it on the shoulders of uh, certain individuals and in leadership to do the work of the ministry when the Bible actually says they're supposed to equip the saints, that the saints would do the work of the ministry. And so we're going to kind of change our filter a little bit this morning. I got way too much to preach, not enough time. So um, if you get quiet, I'll probably slow down. The more you amen me, the faster I preach. So if you want to keep this going, give me an amen or something because I'll keep it going and I'll get it. I'll get to the end. So when I feel like I'm losing you, I got to work a little harder. So uh, when I feel like I got you, we can go there. So, but many people don't realize that Jesus, um, you see, when Jesus walked to the earth and when Jesus, when the church was birthed, um, Jesus carried, how do I say this the right way? Jesus uh, gave five gifts to the church when he left. And he gave them these five gifts, and it's what we know as the fivefold ministry. But this morning, I want to tie it a little, little differently because I want to talk to you about the five gifts that Jesus gave the church because that's exactly what he did. When he left, he said, I want to keep the church healthy. For me to do this, I'm going to give you five gifts that you need for it to be healthy. Now, what's happened is, is this fivefold ministry has been taught in all different circles. We've created um, elitist movements in the sense of we've got apostles. We've had movements where I've read stories where there were apostles over churches that were so controlling and so dominating that people had to ask permission, like, to buy a refrigerator. Like, they're like, can I buy this refrigerator? And they would say yes or no. That is not where we're going. Jesus was the greatest of these, and he washed feet. Okay? So... But we're going to talk about there is an order. There are things that the Bible talks about that you can read it any way you want. I guess you could turn it upside down and read it upside down, and maybe the order would change. But, I mean, he's given it very clearly how this works. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It's pretty much where you have to start when you're talking about these gifts to the church. And we're going to have fun, all right? This is really a fun topic. It's something the Lord began to birth in my heart years ago. And uh, as I've pursued it, it has become more fun, more freeing to learn about it. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's start in verse 
uh, 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. Your Bible might say ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity. Everybody say, until, until. We, all we all reach unity. Does anybody in the room feel like the church is completely unified yet? Okay, so then you believe in the five offices that we're talking about. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Oh, oh, I love mature people. Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's stop there. What's that mean? We can't get to the fullness of Christ unless we have these five gifts. I've given you these to make you mature and to get you into the fullness of what God has for you. And some people would, uh, many people, many denominations would argue that um, these offices don't exist anymore. Um, this was one of the reasons that there was one denomination that I couldn't step into because they clearly didn't believe in the office of an apostle or a prophet. I can't do that. I just, I, I, I kind of believe the Bible. I just kind of believe the Bible, and I also kind of believe that we're not fully in unity yet. And so he said, I've given these to you, and some people would say they would be, I think, really optimistic to come along and say that the body of Christ has reached the unity of the faith. And so these, these offices are going to be active until the body is completely unified. And we are living in the until. These offices have not passed away. I believe, as a matter of fact, one of the things that uh, the reasons I'm preaching on this is because I feel like one of the things that keeps us from going, instead of going from glory to glory and going from glory to old glory to glory to old glory, yeah. is that we constantly, the church at large, likes to cut out two of the five. They like to cut out the apostles and the prophets. Be and I'm going to get to why. But they chop them out, and then we wonder why things cool off yeah. and things chill out and the momentum slows down. And we have often seen, I mean, honestly, for, for the majority of the church for a long time has not operated with these five gifts that Jesus gave to us. Can you, I really want you to think about that from the perspective of a gift. I think we use fivefold and we think of it one way, but Jesus, Jesus was like, listen, guys, I'm, I'm going up, tag your it. I'm going to give you five gifts that if you have these, you are going to be a healthy church, just mature people. Church hasn't always been known for its maturity. The church hasn't also always embraced these five gifts. And so he says, I'm taking off here, tag, you're it, and I'm leaving these five gifts. And you'll notice a pattern. You'll notice a really, really clear pattern. Churches that don't embrace and don't believe in the office of a, the gift, we'll call, I'm kind of sticking with the term gifts this morning, people that think that the gift of an apostle or the gift of a prophet, they think that that time is gone, you'll find an interesting pattern. They're really negative people. Was that too harsh? Sorry. I'll turn that around. They're really not nice people. Why? Because when you remove the voice of the apostle and the prophet, you remove the voice of hope. Because they're the ones that hear from heaven and can release answers into earth. And if you take their voice out, all you're left with, and I'm not dogging anybody in here, because if you're a pastor, teacher, or evangelist, we need you. We need you. But hear me out. 
We need you working in the vein of apostolic and prophetic. We need that. Because if we're not, all you're trying to do is maintain. And we've had so many churches that have maintained and maintained and maintained and maintained until almost everybody's dead. And then they're like, maybe we should change our method. We go back to this Ephesians 4. Maybe there's something to that. And then we get on fire. And then another generation comes. And we say, well, we'll just maintain, maintain, and maintain. Everybody dies. What would it look like? What would it look like if we kept this going? We kept these five gifts working, operating, and handed off to our kids. And they say, I love it. Let's keep it going. <laughs> it's powerful. Oh, it is. If, it's, if they're doing it right, it is. The office of the apostle and the prophet are the offices that look towards the future. The Bible says that without vision, my people perish. Take away the people with the lenses to see the future, and you end up with a dying church. Because they look, they see. We can't remove those. We end up with churches, and what we end up with is we end up with these churches all over town that have these different uh, flavors of ministry. We've got the pastoral church. That church is like everybody's super happy. They're loved. They're always cared for. Oh, it feels good at the pastoral church because it's all about me. It's all about me. Pastors, he knows when I'm there. He knows when I'm not. It's kind of like Santa Claus. He's, <laughs> he's like, I called. I checked on you. I noticed you weren't there. I noticed that your kid wasn't there. Called on them too. Sent a card. Did you get the card? Yeah. Just making sure you got that. <laughs> you know, you've got these pastoral churches that are great, and man, they, get, they can get shaken up when the apostles and the prophets walk in. Because the apostles and the prophets are like, we're just going to pretty much ruin everything that you're believing because it's really gotten off track. Because somehow the gospels become all about you and not about Jesus. And the pastors are like, well, you won't be back. And, and so you've got, you've got this vein of the pastors. And then you've got, uh, you've got people that are, that are teachers, man. And teachers, listen, I'm not diminishing any of these. We need them all. That's the point. So don't tear me apart over it. But teachers are like, got to teach you about the Bible got to teach you about the Bible. You have to get it right. And very big deal is that I'm right too. And if you challenge me, I would love to sit down for 12 hours and talk about that one verse because it's so important to them and they, they love it. And, and listen, teachers, when operating properly, they should be demonstrating what they're teaching too. It's not okay just to teach it. They're called to demonstrate it. And so I'm going to get into that, too, because we don't just put it all on like, well, that's for the prophets. Listen, everybody's called to be prophetic. Everybody's called to be apostolic. You may not be in one of those offices. You may not have been given that gift, but you're called to operate inside of it. And so when teachers, when they pair up their gifting to teach with the ability to move in the spirit and demonstrate it, or do like Jesus did, demonstrate it, then talk about it. Jesus' model was way different than ours. We talk about it forever, and then maybe we'll show it to you. Jesus was like, okay, bam. What happened? Let me tell you about that. It's like the opposite of how we grow churches. <laughs> Jesus was like, <laughs> I'm like so far from my notes. Jesus was like, hey, guys, you're, you're apostles. Cool. What's that mean? 
How many of you know that's not how we run Bible schools nowadays? It's like, okay, I see the grace on you. That's what you are. And then he taught him about it. Jesus had this thing where he understood something. He understood that experience will always win over an argument. And Jesus, Jesus operated as, he had this thing where like, um, he just was so good at like, let me let you taste this. You're going to find out how good it is. And then once you taste it, you're like, oh, yeah, I need that. I need that. Any of you ever walked in like, like I know we shouldn't talk, like we're all probably on our diet right now for at least another three days, but <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're, you're trying to watch what you eat and you walk in and you walk into somebody's house and they're baking, like, oh, see, you feel it. And my wife, she got into this baking kick this year. <sighs> Man, the girls were baking and baking and baking. I'm like, oh, cookies. no more cookies. <laughs> Just one more cookie, you know? And, and how many of you know, though, that you can go in with the idea that I don't want any of that, but when you all of a sudden, your senses, you smell it, you see it, you taste it. Listen, I, it doesn't matter how cold and hard that person is that you think isn't interested in the kingdom. Bring them in and let them taste it, smell it, see it. And then Jesus said, come taste it, come see it. And then they want it. And you see, that's where it's not okay for teachers just to talk about it. It's great for them to be able to say, you know what they should be doing is like doing it and then saying, you know what, let me tell you what you just experienced. That's, that's how they work. It's so powerful when they're like, you know, that's okay. That's God. Let me show you. <laughs> it's God, I promise. Well, I don't know about that. There is this one really cool scripture in Psalms 104 that said God sits in heaven and does whatever he wants. That's like my favorite scripture because people are like, show me that in the Bible. Bam. <laughs> he does whatever he wants. <laughs> I don't know about the person rolling on the floor. I don't either, but I... Who cares? <laughs> oh, I love it when people are just having a good time in his presence. <laughs> so you got the teachers, man. You got these teachers that they're like, they're, they're, they're typically really caught up about being right. Just being honest. Like if they kind of fall into the rut of, I have to be right. And then you've got evangelists, which are so fun. Evangelists can get a bad rep, but they really are fun. Unless you don't care for the lost, and they're probably going to drive you nuts. <laughs> like, right? Like, if an evangelist bothers you, it's probably because you don't... All right, well, there we go. let's just leave that there. <laughs> Evangelists are the people that are like, listen, let's do this thing. Let's win the world. Yeah. Like, like, they believe it, too. They're not hyping you up. They're like, let's win the world for Jesus. They're the people that if it were up to them, they wouldn't have seats in the sanctuary. Because they'd be like, you don't need to sit down. You need to go. You need to get filled up and go. And the pastors are like, but they're so tired. Give them a chair, and the teachers are like, well, they're not going to stand while I teach, so, I mean, come on, give them a chair. We don't need to sit in here. You know, I love watching them, but when they start to work in unity, when they begin to flow in the spirit, there's this thing that actually happens. The church gets healthy. The church gets healthy, and we see these, and then you've got the prophets and the prophetic people. They're, they're so funny to me. Like, I'm super prophetic, so I can talk about this one really freely. Because I'm really prophetic, right? Pro prophets are the people, like, when they walk into whatever it is, they could be walking in to order a sandwich. And they're like, they walk in, and they're like, did you? <laughs> they're like, they try to open the one door, it doesn't open. Did you notice that? That door's not opening, you know? <laughs> and then they're like, that door open. That door open. And so they went through that door, and they're like walking up. I'm like, what? Mm, this, this, this is, uh-uh. Lord wants to open doors this year. No devil. No devil. 
And they walk up and they're, they're in line and they're the guys that are trying to read the menu and they feel like people's oppression behind them and they're just like feeling it and they're like trying to read and, and they're the people that people draw off profits, right? They all, trust me, I've hung out with a lot of profits. I could be in a restaurant and they're just trying to eat their food and someone's just like staring at them. I've taken, I've taken my buddy Ivan Roman out enough times where we'll be at d dinner and, and people are like, I don't know how you do this. It's like they're drawing off of him in the spirit. And he's just trying to eat. And he's like, man, that person over there is wearing me out. I'm like, they're like 40 feet away. Oh, he's like, they're just, if you feel it, they're drawing off of me in the spirit realm. I'm like, stings for you. Right. And so prophets, though, they feel so much. Prophets are the ones where, like, you know, digital clocks are so, like, my goodness, half the words come through digital clocks. It's like, there it is. They, the all, it's, there it is. It's that time. 11, 11. 11, 11. I saw it the first time today, and I saw it the second time today. And they're praying, and they're praying, and the next thing you know, it's 1234, one, two, three, four. It's a year of increase. It's a year of increase. <laughs> and the teachers are like, I don't see that in my Bible. I don't see that in my Bible. And the pastors are like, oh, just, they feel good. Oh, let them go. It's just filling up their love tank. Prophets. Prophets are the ones that they can't enjoy anything. They're just like, but God's just like, they're like, I don't know how to say it. It's like a squirrel. You ever seen a squirrel when it runs in the road and it looks like they had 12,000 thoughts before? They're like, that's what prophets are like. They're in a certain, Jesus. Angel. River. Mountain. Glory. The Father. They're all. They're all over it, and, and <laughs> portals, portals everywhere. Portal, portal. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. I love prophets. I love them. I've got friends that are prophets. I've got friends that are teachers. I've got friends, i got all five, and I love hanging with them and seeing their different strengths. And, and then you've got apostles, which are really unique because apostles come in and they shift everything. They come in, and you have been so comfortable with your belief system, and like, God never changes. Doesn't mean you got it all right. And so they come in, and they're like, oh, have you thought about this? And you're just like, I don't want to think about that. Because <laughs> in your heart, you know they're right. But if you change that, you just threw off everything for me. And see what happens is, is you begin to move in that. You want to know why, and whether you like him or not, it's up to you. I love him. You want to know why Bill Johnson's having so much influence? It's because he's an apostle. He has a massive influence, and he's not trying to gain a platform. He's just speaking, but he's got a direct connection from heaven, and people want to hear it. And you want to know the most impressive thing about Bill Johnson is he's actually pretty boring. Like, I, he, I can say that. I mean, it's true. Chris Fallotson says that's why he has to read jokes. He's not funny. Like, he's just, he's, he's not that funny, but you know what? When he talks, you listen. I've been in rooms with him before where, like, it's been unique opportunities where I feel like you're sitting with a general. We, we had a tough situation we went through a few years ago, and we were in a room in a little house, and uh, we were talking to one ministry couple, and then Bill came and sat down. <laughs> kind of kind of feel like God walked in the room. He was just like, like fanboy came all over me, and... Um, and uh, he did what Bill, what Bill normally does. He read his iPad. And uh, he, he sat there, and he just, he's just reading. And I'm sharing my heart with this one couple in ministry because we're going through a really hard time. No one knows what's going on. Nobody. 
and we're sharing it with this one couple. And this one couple, she, she's definitely a prophet because she was not catching what I was saying. She's like, I just, I feel good about this. God is going to show himself to you. And I'm like, you are not hearing me. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to cry. And, and I need, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget, you know, and Bill has a pastoral heart too, which is a cool thing about him. He, he put his iPad down. He just looked at us and, and he said, oh, that's hard. It's tough, isn't it? And he began to speak into us, and all of a sudden, you felt an authority because he had a connection to heaven. The Bible says, I'm giving you these five gifts. Apostles specifically have an authority over leaders. They have a really strong influence and authority over leaders, and they have an ability to speak into them. So we've got these different five gifts that the Lord's given us, and I want to talk, what time is it? Oh, boy. Um. I want to talk really fast. Amen? Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you as quickly as I can about this without losing you. But listen, let me get back to the prophet real quick. Something about a prophet is that, listen, if, uh, if you understand New Testament, and better yet, a, a more proper way of saying would be New Covenant. The New Covenant prophecy that the Bible says it should always be edifying. Now, now, let's break that down because edifying doesn't always mean it pats you on the back. It means that it gives you a direction to go, and it's good. Prophets, have a, they sometimes speak into people's lives, and sometimes it's hard, but they release the word of the Lord into their lives and say, listen, God sees this. If you do this, you're good. People that come in, you'll never have a prophet come up from the stage and rip you apart because we won't do that because if they do, they're not moving in the new covenant. There's a reason it's called Better Covenant. And what's happened is, is that often they move in their giftings, but sometimes if we're not careful, our hurts and our pains can get in there. And I've met people, man, sometimes they can get a little bit filtered. But if, it's, if they're moving in that, that Better Covenant prophet, they're edifying. When they speak, life comes in the room. I love when prophets grab the mic. It's like... They grab the mic, and it's like the room comes alive. It's not, a, it's not just a personality thing. It's a God-given gift. That's like an evangelist. You could, you could be reaching out to your nephew for 40 years. An evangelist walks in the room, and they give their life to the Lord. It's like they have that gift. And you've been praying to him and talking to him, and you haven't gotten anywhere. And, you know, Ken, you've got a gift like that. Our friend Ken over here. Ken's the guy who walks in the room and just his grace. He's a gift for that, and that's a powerful gift, and I could point out different gifts in the room that I see them, and we need them, because we need, we need these five gifts operating. Every single Protestant denomination that you can possibly think of started with apostles, prophets, signs, wonders, miracles, and what happened is, is sooner or later, that group of people decides they would rather stick with what's comfortable than what's God. And then what happens is, is we go from a movement to a monument. And our church becomes a memorial of what once was. And that's what happens when we take away the voice that hears heaven. Now, I get it. There have been some rough people out there. There have been a lot of people. They really are prophets, and they're just not moving in it properly. I mean it. There are people that I met that have the prophetic, that prophet thing on them. I'm like, man, if I could just have like a little time with you people would like you <laughs> like, i mean 
if you're a prophet and you just like throw it out the window like nobody likes me, I'm a prophet. I'm like, well, Jesus was all five and everybody loved him. <laughs> it's not okay for every, if everybody doesn't like you, you should look inward. Just saying. There's no, there's no excuse on that one. Jesus knew when he was handing off this church, when he was handing it off and saying, guys, I'm, I'm heading out, all right? I'll still be with you, but I got some more to go. He handed them out, and the Bible says that he, and I apologize, I don't think I wrote this one down. The Bible says that he dispersed the five gifts. I think we might have it in a later scripture, but the Bible says that he dispersed all five. It's very, there's a very intentional reason that he dispersed them because he wants the church to work together. Amen. Many people will say, well, I got all five. Ah, you ain't Jesus. <laughs> he specifically broke them into five gifts and handed them out five different directions. That way they have to work together. He said the whole purpose of this is to bring you into unity. If I give one person all five, all you need is one. And so he, he hands out these five, and, and sometimes it's a challenge for them to work together. It is. I mean, I've, it just is. Pastors really have a hard time because pastors love the people so much, and they hold their hearts so dearly that it's, it's like, it's kind of like a parent. Sometimes your kids get disciplined, and it hurts. You don't want to do it, but they need it. You know what I'm saying? I'm a terrible, like, are my kids in here? Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany gets mad at me. She's like, don't look at her eyes. <laughs> Kinsey knows that she's like showing me the big eyes. I'm like, mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. My kids are homeschooled, and my son was doing his his like big year in year end test. I should not sit with my kids during that because you can't talk to him. I'm like looking, he's like doing a wrong answer. I'm like, mm. <laughs> good thing is Ethan's a feeler, so he's like, oh, I feel something <laughs> off my dad. Let's change that up a little bit. <laughs> Tiffany's like, just go away. Just get out of the house. He feels it off of you. Ethan, my son's majorly prophetic, guys. I could tell you stories, but he is, he's majorly prophetic. He prophesied the day we would find our house, and we found it that day. My son, when we moved into our house, he prophesied everything that happened in the house, the different rooms that people lived in. He prophesied that the dad was living in the bonus room because him and the mom were having trouble, and that the kids, and in his room, he saw a little girl hiding in a closet crying. And he was getting overwhelmed with emotions because he was seeing it. And, you know, I was talking with him and praying with him. And, like, two days later, my neighbor comes over. And they're like, man, we're just so glad to have you guys in this house. The couple that was there, they just had such a troubled marriage. You know, they weren't staying together. I'm just like, whoa, that's accurate. <laughs> that's, that's accurate. Ethan will be doing prophetic words at the end of this service. Um, <laughs> But sometimes it's hard for pastors when the apostles and the prophets come in because they have to correct things. They have to shift things. And sometimes for the pastors, they hold the heart of the people. And see, what pastors, really what our job to do, what a pastor's job to do is to love people through the process. Not to keep them chained into one spot in the process. They love them through the process. And that's so important that they get that. That's, that's so important. And so this, the scripture, I'm going to read a couple more verses, if you would. We're still in Ephesians 4. Verse 13 says, um, says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by waves 
blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say love. love. All right. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Amen. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up, um, up in love. Say love. love. As each part does its work. <sighs> Let me just hit this really quickly. When Paul's writing this, he, he, he lists off something interesting here that most people don't pick up on. And he lists off that there's nine different fruits of when we have these five gifts operating, okay? There's nine fruits. It's unity. There's knowledge of him. This is, this is in the scripture you just read. It's maturity. It's full measure of Christ. There's no longer infants. We don't fall into false teaching. We become a mature representation. Each part will do its work. And the whole body is built and connected in love. <laughs> How fun would a church be with all nine of those? Like, that's what we're shooting for. All nine of those. Like, like all nine of them. Built in love. Maturity. Not bickering. Not getting offended over the silliest things. Why? Because we're more mature than that. Well, that's, that's what Christ said. I want to leave you with these five great gifts because I want to see you healthy. The fivefold that we're talking about is not this. I want to, I want to come against this idea that it might be a top-down controlling model of, 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 um, of inappropriately used terminology like covering. Covering can be a bad thing or it can be a really good thing. Depends on what the purpose of the cover is. I, I love having people in my life. I need the people that are a covering, they're a protection, a surrounding me. I need that. You need that. But I don't need people that are trying to cover me so they can just get close to me. And they can abuse that relationship. Or the, the vice versa, the top down, someone trying to cover you, and really the intention is just to use you. But it sounds better to say I cover you. This is going to be an interesting comment on our stream today. <laughs> Share it. Let's just go ahead and make it wild. Yeah. <laughs> we've taken it and we've used it wrong. And we need that. We need, the Bible makes it clear. There is a process with this apostles, prophets, evangelists thing. Yeah. It's okay. But we have to understand it's not to control. It's to equip. Yeah. But for you to actually know what that means, you have to know what the word equip means. And this has been one of the, my favorite things that I ever learned, is that the word equip is a Greek word, and it's actually pronounced, and I wrote it down because I always say it wrong, because there's another Greek word that's very similar, and it's pronounced this way, kardartizo. Kardartizo, that word equip is the word kardartizo, and you can look it up in your Bible. That word is a Greek word, and it is a medical term. And it's actually a chiropractic term that means to set or adjust a bone. Now, let's think in Paul's brain, right? Paul's always talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about we are joined and connected together. So he works in the metaphor of a body. He said when you have these five gifts operating in the church, it's like a chiropractor coming in and adjusting the body. 
so that it works, right? If you've ever needed a chiropractor, you understand, the, like, I, I, I underplayed him so much in my life, and then I, I went to one, and I was like, where have you been? <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give anybody a pump. I won't even say their names, but there's a, a family here that are our chiropractors, and we started going, and we kind of shifted. Instead of hope, trying not to be sick all the time or paying for sick bills, we tried to just get our body aligned and healthy. And all of a sudden, there's heart. <laughs> she just said, I don't snore anymore. Yeah, it's a little, that's a little private, right, babe? Um, it's, it's, it's a little over the top for Sunday morning, right? Oh, so that's where we're going. No. <laughs> Again, that's my wife. Um, so all of a sudden, like, my family doesn't get sick. They're never sick. Why? Because their bodies are in alignment. There's something about the body that heals itself. When it stays in alignment, it heals itself. Jesus is speaking to the church. Paul is speaking to the church through this filter of the idea of getting aligned. And he's saying, if you would, like, come in and let these different... Imagine it from a chiropractor, right? Um, it wouldn't be cool, like, if I've got just this pain in my back, and every time I go on, and they just do the neck thing. That's great, but my neck's fine. It's not, it's not my back, though. Right? These different five gifts, they, they adjust the body differently. Some people have been in the office of a pastor church for so long that, man, your neck feels good. He adjusts that neck so soft, too. He doesn't do that. He's like, bah, bah, bah. Bah, bah, bah. and you're like, oh, oh, man. But, you know, I had this pain in my back, you know. Oh, you'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, the teacher comes in, and they just, doo -doo -doo -doo. like, oh, my back, my neck feels good. And then, you know, the chiropractor, the evangelists come in, and of course, they're going to work on your legs, so you'll go. And, and they're, they're adjusting, adjusting those legs, man. They're pulling on them good, pulling it good. You're like, oh, feel good. And the teacher comes in, or the uh, prophet, and they're getting the shoulder. You know what? You get my point, is that people, these, we get these churches where you've been adjusted in your neck over and over and over and over and over and over. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about your body. Your, neck, your back can affect your neck. And they're just putting a Band-Aid on it if all they're doing is working on your neck. And when we create a culture of people that are not healthy, that have a big Band-Aid spiritually, because, because, and I've talked with pastors after pastors, and they're so scared. Well, if we let the apostles and the prophets in, who's in control? I hear it all the time. Don't get me wrong. There needs to be a flow to things because it just turn into chaos real quick. But that's what pushes them out because they're like, well, well wait a minute. Who calls the final shot? Right? And that's what people begin to get caught up in. I just happen to believe if God gave us this five gifts, there's a way to make it work. I just, I really do. And I've, I've gone where a few men gone before. And, and, and I've begun to step out there and say, well, I don't understand it all, but I do believe it works. And control freaks are scared to death of it. Because it's mine. It's like a big kid. It's mine. This is my part of the city. Stay away. <laughs> Somebody got some music over there. 
<laughs> all, the, all the prophets are like, mm, there's something on it. There's something on it. And the teachers are like, shut your phone off. He's teaching. <laughs> and the pastors feel bad. Whoever that is is so embarrassed right now. And the apostles don't even care because they're still looking into heaven. They're like, I don't even hear nothing, man. <laughs> Listen, these fivefold, they have to be operating for the equipping. We see conferences. We see conferences on equipping the saints. They title them that all the time, but I don't think, and it's okay. They're equipping them in a certain way, but that exact word means to adjust the body. And sometimes, man, it hurts when you get adjusted. And sometimes it's not like that immediate goes away. Sometimes it's like tender for a couple days. Sometimes apostles come in and it hurts. But you need it. And they adjust it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's tender. Next day you're still tender. But a few days later you're like, yeah, that's feeling, that's, it makes sense. I love it when people teach. I, I love being taught. I really do. I love hearing things. I'm kind of weird. I like it when people, I, I kind of like like it. I got to be careful with this statement because I don't want everybody coming up to me and saying something that I don't really want to hear. But like, I like it when certain people <laughs> challenge me and say something into my life that forces me to think about it. And I'm just like, oh, that makes sense. If he's good, that makes sense. And then it makes me think about it. You see, one of the hardest things for the church the Bible says there's a few things that please God. And I'm going to talk about this in our, in our guest luncheon today. But there's, there's a number of things. But Paul said a few different things. He, Paul said this. He said, I have an ambition to please God. Yeah. Yeah. A powerful scripture. He said, I have an ambition to please God. There are a few different things that please God. One's faith. Faith pleases God. You can't please God without faith. Another one, though, is humility. It also talks about good works, prayer, generosity. There's all these different ones, but humility is a powerful one. What's the deal with humility? Humility is the ability to be able to say, I don't know everything. <laughs> and if I get it wrong, I'm okay with changing it. Anytime I meet someone who's like, well, I'm never going to change my yada yada on that, I'm like, oh, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> Because the Lord just loves to come in and drop a little nugget, and you're like, whoa. That's why he says, I love humility. Because a humble person is like, I'm cool with that. Yeah, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> but I'm cool with that. This word equip, it's, a, it's massive. It's massive. We need to get the body healthy, adjusted, the back, the neck, all of it. We have to... Man, a chiropractor is like, I've had them, you ever had them adjust your ears? Right? Nobody? Maybe that's fake and they just did it to like do it to me and like, watch this. I'm going to adjust your ears. Yank, you know, I don't know. They've done it. No, they did it. I've had my chiropractor. They've done it and immediately my ears open up. Come on, Hills. Y'all know. All right, come on. Leave me hanging. All right. I've had, them, I've had them like go and they do, don't try it, right? They know what they're doing. They'll like do this little yank and all of a sudden it's like pop and I can hear. And everything in my ear begins to, like, drain out. Some of you are like, that's cool. Some of you are like, that's really nasty. But it's amazing. Listen, there's something about different parts of the body that these five gifts come in and say, listen, listen, you guys are great at, like, jumping up and down, but you're not, like, hearing the voice of God. Prophets are like, I'm going to adjust your ears. 
because you're not hearing. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're doing great pastoring. You got a ministry for everything, but you're not hearing. I am almost out of time, so let's just try to bring this down. Let's, let's, let's end it on a couple of these thoughts. One of the things that people have a hard time with the, these five gifts operating in the church is that the fact that the Bible says, you know, first, apostle, second, there's an order, right? And here's the thing. If you go read it in the Greek, it's still first apostles, second prophets. It doesn't change. So what's the point? Because people are like, well, I don't, I'm not in a hierarchy. Well, it depends what you're, it depends why you're thinking that. Because if you're thinking hierarchy from control, nobody wants that. I don't want someone up above raining down and doing this thing. But I want to present to you the idea that it's not about control, it's about responsibility. And the higher up someone is in that list of the five gifts, the more responsibility they have, therefore the more authority they have. Okay? Because if you're going to be ministering, listen, if you're, if you're let's take Bill Johnson because we've already brought him up. If you're going to be ministering and everything you say is going to go onto a YouTube video and be in front of millions of people. You better have an authority to back it up spiritually. If you were to take someone that's not got that level of authority and give them that same level of influence, you're going to have messes like you wouldn't believe. Because they begin to speak out and they don't have the authority and they begin to speak things. And it's not always right on. It's okay. We're learning, right? Like, like I tell people when you're prophesying, it's okay if you don't nail it. We're not going to stone you. I promise. I just tell people when they give prophetic words, it's okay to use words like, I feel like the Lord is saying. Some of you have been, like, so chained to the idea, well, you know, like, you have to do such a harsh word. Like, if you get it wrong, guys, I think he's good. I think he's good. There's freedom in that, man. I, I, nobody would go up to anybody if they felt like it was like live or die on prophetic words. Like you get it wrong, you die. <laughs> like who would prophesy? I love my family too much. I'm being quiet, man. Like you're going to kill me. You know how many people I've walked up to? I've given words that they weren't even in the moment. They happened weeks later. That's the fun ones when you're like give a word and no one responds. And you're like, oh, blew that one. And then two or three weeks later, you get a text that says, hey, I watched your stream two or three weeks ago, and I got healed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. You actually don't operate just in, like, our little world. Right. You're bigger than that. Yeah. And so we have this idea of this hierarchy, which scares people. And I want to, let's just give you this. Let's just break that word down real quick. Hierarchy, the actual definition. You can Google it. A system or organization in which peoples or groups are ranked above one another according to status or authority. Okay. In the kingdom, it's authority. It's not status. When we begin to rank people based on status, that's when things get to be a mess. When people begin to put people on a platform because they're super cool and they really like are fun with the mic, trust me, I've seen that rug get yanked underneath somebody. 
and you look at it and say, oh, you are operating from just this, this gifting thing, but there is no character. Let me say this. I feel like we're coming into a year. I do feel a prophetic word right here. Um, I feel like we're coming into a year of health. There's a reason that you just had a, uh, a, an announcement for a health seminar. We've never done one. Why? Because I believe it's going to be physically and spiritually. And I feel like we're coming into a year of health. Many of you think you're healthy because you're set free, but the reason that you keep having to be set free again is because you're not healthy and you keep going right back to what you were in bondage to. People have made the term free and healthy the same, and they are not the same. I can come into somebody's life, and I can, I can cut roots off, and I can take you out, and I can, you know, and, and it's powerful. That's like you got to do it. And they're like, yo, I feel so good. I'm free. And like four or five months later, you're right back. Here we go again. And then you're like, well, I thought that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. He is, unless you go decide not to be free again. The son also gave you a free will. I know, right? And, and, and so we're coming into a year of health. What's that mean? We want to set people free, but then we want to bring them through the process of transformation that they're healthy. The reason I'm preaching on the five gifts is because I don't believe we can have a healthy church if we don't embrace these five gifts. Amen. And I believe that we are. I don't believe, like, it's easy here, guys. Like, preaching this here is, is, is fun. Some churches, if I walk in and preach it, they're going to look at me like I'm the devil. Like, <laughs> like I, I've sat down in those, those meetings before, and they're like, <laughs> like, don't take my palace, you know? And I'm like, bro, if you want it all, go for it. I'm the guy that's like, I need, a, I need this. You help me. Thank you. I need yeah. this. You help me. Yep. I'm okay with that. All right, let's, let's, let's close it on two thoughts, power, uh, the hierarchy piece and one more piece. When we think of it as control, it's a problem. But there's a difference between these three things, authority, pow authority power, and control. They're all different. They're not the same thing. The purpose of authority is ultimately meant to serve. The purpose of authority is ultimately meant to serve. I, as a parent, have children. I have authority over my kids. We don't vote on everything in the Matthews household. There's some things that's just the way it is. If you want to go a different route, have fun. We'll have a great family counselor for you down the road. But there are things that there are times that it's like, this is how it is. When you move out, go for it. You know, you, you find what the Lord's leading you to do. But in my home, this is how it is. Okay? Now, here's the deal. <laughs> I know this is so not politically correct, right? Everybody's like, oh. But I, I, that's how it is. And so, but here's the thing. I have authority over them. But it's not my goal to control them. Because if I control them the moment that I'm out of their life and I'm not the one living in the same house as them, if all it ever was was control... The leash has been let go. And that's when kids go nuts. I've seen kids in the most controlling homes. I've seen homes where they actually went in and painted their girl's room 100% white trying to brainwash them and make them more pure. I've, I've seen some stuff, guys. I've seen it. And that same 
one child that I was with many years ago, when the moment they got out of their house, went nuts. Now, listen, there are some really great parents, and their kids decided to go kind of crazy, too. So I'm not putting that on you if you're having trouble with your kids, because I've, I've, I've seen that done. It's not fair. But my point is, is that if you raise your children based on control opposed to authority, then when control's gone, they go crazy. When you teach them in a healthy way what authority is, and authority says, I'm here to serve you. Yes, I'm going to lay out a path for you, but it's for your good. See, that's what, when we see this, apostles, prophets, what's the point? Apostles have to have the most authority because they have the most feet to wash. They have to. They have thousands of feet to wash. A local church pastor may have 250. That's a bigger church, honestly. If you look at statistics, maybe 75. 75. They don't need as much authority. And it's not a bad thing. But it's not to control. So here's the deal. When we remove those first two, which as long as I'm here and get to be a part of this church, we're not removing those first two. We're not. we are put our stake in the ground. We want the presence of the Lord. We want, I can't, I, man, I, I have grown up in church. I am a pastor's kid. I have done enough boring church in my lifetime. I'm not saying my, pa- my parents were boring. There's always been the presence of the Lord. I was, there's always been the presence of the Lord. But I've been in meetings where even the Holy Spirit didn't show up. It was like just because he wasn't welcome. Can, can, you, can you get there with me right now how, how off we are that we even would have a church that doesn't have the Holy Spirit? There's something really wrong with that. And, I'm, I'm, and we love them, but here's the thing. If you remove the Holy Spirit, you put all of the weight on man. And depending on how good the man is, he can build an awesome church. But it is built on the man. I personally don't enjoy that much burden. <laughs> I personally enjoy coming in, and we all are thinking, what's Jesus doing today, not what's John doing today? <laughs> And, but we do embrace these five gifts in this house. And I'm kind of putting my, <laughs> I looked back and it was interesting. I, 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 I keep a record of all my sermons. And I was like, when was the last time I talked about this? And I noticed something. I've talked about it for the past three years on the first Sunday of every year. And not on purpose, but because it's that high of a priority that we start the year off on the idea of that we embrace these five gifts. But I want to challenge you that if you've been in an atmosphere where they've been misrepresented, to not let that be the filter that you put them through. Because there's always a misrepresentation. There's always a misrepresentation. We need them. What about us? Okay, here's what I, every time I preach this message, everybody's like, which one am I, right? <laughs> don't, first of all, don't come ask me, right? Everybody's like, like I'm a magic eight ball, shake me and I'll tell you what you are. It's like, uh, <laughs> evangelist, go reach the world. Like, that's the best one. <laughs> Here's the deal. Not everybody, the Bible, I read you the scripture. The purpose of the gifts are to equip the body to do the ministry. 
here's the point. We, if the five gifts, if there's not a body, first of all, is they're probably not doing it right. And second of all, it's hard to be effective if your job is to equip people and there's no people. Okay? But their job is to come in and to take the saints and to equip them and to adjust them and to help them get in alignment with heaven. Because we want to be in this flow of the apostolic. Let me say this as I close. An apostolic leader will take risk. You'll know when you're a pastor-led church because they won't take risk because they care about the people so much. It's just in their natural DNA. Trust me, every time I have done a risky move, I can tell you the leaders that speak into me, the pastors are like, I don't know about that. The prophets are like, if it's God, let's do it. You know? And the evangelists are like, is it going to bring more people? Let's do it. It's reaching for the Lord. Teachers are they're cool. I, I, can, I can tell you, though, in a pastoral church, in a pastoral church, They'll be very, they just, they won't make big moves that could scare people because they don't want to lose people. It's not because of like just controls. They love people. When you get into an apostolic atmosphere, and this is one, there's risk involved. You go, I was talking to somebody about it last Sunday, I said, or Friday night. I said, you know, if we're really going to believe the Lord on this stuff, we're going to have to actually go for it. Like, like, it's coming. Like, we're here. Like, our building's running out of space. <laughs> There's this little handful of people a couple years ago. What's happening? People are coming out of their caves of being in control and manipulative atmosphere saying, I can breathe in, an, in, in this place. It's not me. I, I do not give myself credit for this. It's this. Presence is here. And and the presence is touching people. And this morning, when they played, and they just played, and Emma, great job. You're not going back to school. I'm sorry. (laughs) Parents are like, oh, yeah, she is. Um, When she just played, and and, and you felt heaven just going through her. I went up there and told Tiffany, I said, just let her play. Just let her play. I said, because the Father wants to come in and give a hug. Yeah. Amen. That's kind of like an apostolic church, how it works. Yeah. What are you doing right now? So we're going we're gonna to take a stand this morning. And I'm not going to call out gifts. I'm not going to do all that. Because I believe, if you feel like there's a gift in your life, first of all, let me say this. Begin to just, in your own realm, operate in it. Don't try to come grab the mic if you think you're a prophet. We have people that will take you down. No, I'm joking. Well, kind of. I could do a whole nother sermon on that topic because it's actually, it is, it is um, completely biblical that some of the apostles said that I was not their apostle. I was the apostle in this realm. Prophets, uh, you have to be welcomed by the house. That's how we keep it safe. That's how we keep it safe. But what's my point? If you feel like you have that, that gift on your life, begin to operate in, in your realm, your people, your friends. If you think that, that prophet thing's resting on you, grow in it. Grow in it. That's what, I'm telling you, our Friday night services are going to start filling up with like a bunch of prophets. You watch. They're hungry for it. Like, 
they're going to feel it. But, but begin to grow in it. Don't feel like someone has to come up and, and see it and call it out before you get to do anything. Just begin to operate in it. Do it in honor. Don't start a house of prophets group in the church and then invite everybody over. And then we got to be like, uh, hey, kind of like we need to at least know your name. Like, like, let's know who you are. But in your realm, teachers, get a book. Teach them. Pastors, love them. You don't have to be addressed as a pastor to be a pastor. You guys have been so gracious on time. I'm, the nursery's going to kill me. My, my last thought is this. I'm sorry. This is, I need to say this. Be careful with titles, okay? Yes. No, no, they're not. Here, here we go. They're not bad unless it's the wrong title. That's one thing. If, if, I, I, if I need to go have a tooth pulled, I need to see that they're a dentist, Right? There's other people in the medical field that I'm not letting pull my tooth. You can let your mind go wherever you want with that. But there's certain people, whatever it is. But the dentist, the people I want to see with problems in my mouth is a dentist. Here's the deal. Some of you may have picked up a title along the way. And it's not actually your grace. In the South, everybody's a pastor. We have parking lot pastors, toilet pastors, cleaning pastors. You know, like everybody's a pastor. But here's the deal. Maybe you are actually, you have more of a prophetic gifting on your life. Maybe you're an evangelist, which is why you can't figure out why I'm a pastor and no one really, I don't do so good at it. Here's the thing. Align with the grace, not the title. Let the grace follow it. Let the title follow it. Because I've met people that are so burdened because they feel like such a loser because they've been trying to operate in the title that's not their grace. And it, and it hurts my heart when I meet them and say, oh, I see why you're, you're a teacher. Like, I can say this freely because my dad, my dad is a great teacher. He's really good. And he came through many, many years that didn't um, embrace these different gifts necessarily. And so he had to often try to operate in, like, all of them. And we wonder why we burn out pastors, because they feel like I have to be all five for you, because my denomination only recognizes pastors. And I meet people and say, if you would have just been able to teach, you're a great teacher. Let's stand. I'm going to make this quick, because we have to get our kids. Parents, I have been, the screen has taken authority. (laughs) The little screen people. (laughs) Again, if you're a guest, join us for uh, luncheon down that hall in the back afterwards. Let's equip some saints. Let's do this, let's do this as a body. Let's make it known right now that we, something I found in the kingdom is what you welcome is what you get. If you don't welcome something, they pretty much don't show up. But when you begin to welcome the gifts, they show up. They do. And if you feel like you have that gift on your life, don't get frustrated if you're not moving in it. God sees it, and he will raise you into the place at the right time. Don't get frustrated. I meet a lot of people that have premature spiritual babies because they couldn't wait. And preemie babies are a lot of work. 
It's easier when they come out late and they're fat and healthy. So Jesus, we welcome your gifts that you've given to the church. And, and even right now, Lord, if we've come into a place in our heart where this has been a, a, sub, a subject where we've become maybe a little burnt and bitter, we release those people that misrepresented. Like, you need to just release them. Like, whether it be an apostle or prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, just say, I just let you go. Because offense is like drinking poison and hoping it gets the other person. It just gets you. So I let it go. I let it go. And Jesus, actually, hold on. Letting it go is not enough. I forgive them. Forgiveness is kind of like kingdom, guys. I forgive them. And then you can let it go. I forgive them. And I let it go. I speak out to those of you in this room that have that an office on you. I'm going to use the term office now because I want to be really clear. Some of you have, uh, you've been called to a certain office. You may or may not know it. I speak to that in you, and I pray that the Lord would open the eyes of your revelation. Open the eyes of your wisdom and understanding, and you would begin to see what resides in you. And that Holy Spirit would so, so kindly, so well, just begin to guide you in your journey of developing and developing. I call out, I'm just going to call it out. I call out apostles. Even people that are watching the stream, I call out prophets. I call out evangelists. I call out teachers and I call out pastors. And I say, the church needs you. I speak to apostles that have tried to share their heart and been really just yucked. I don't know what to say. We love you. And we pray that a complete healing over your heart, that you would be a really good representation of Jesus. I speak to the body. Come on, that's probably a lot of the people in this room. I speak to those of you. You are called to ministry. Letting you know now, everybody's called to full-time ministry. I release, I pray that you would be equipped. I pray that 2019, I feel this word so strong, would be a massive year of equipping and bringing people into a healthy place. The things that have been used to pull the carpet out from underneath you before, you're getting rid of that carpet and it's not going to pull it out anymore. I speak health over you. I speak health over you. I speak over your marriage as some of you are so afraid of what if I begin to move forward in the calling God has on my life and my marriage is already wobbly. I, I speak that your marriage would come into a place of restoration and healing. You do need to fix that. But I pray he would give you a strength and a grace and a wisdom and an understanding to uh, grow as one, you and your spouse. And we're not saying you can't do anything if you have marriage issues, but we pray over everything that would be used by the enemy to halt you. That God would come in with his grace and touch you. And he'd make wrong things right, and he'd set you on the path you need to be on. I pray that this house would be known as a place that is filled with apostolic leaders prophetic leaders, pastoral leaders, teachers, and evangelists. I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.